It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hello, and welcome to Accelerate. It's another episode of Frontline Friday with my regular and how many specials do we get today? Special, special, special guest. Three specials. Let's do that. Three special. Hi, Andy. I like it when I have three specials. Yeah, well, we're, you are. You deserve it. So what can I say? Love it. Special, special, special. Yeah. So today, we're going to do something we did once before, which is we're going to turn the tables, let Bridget be the interviewer, I'll be the interviewee, and uh, answer our questions that come across. So what do you have? Good. And, you know, I don't know when it's time to take a break. So you still have to be the moderator and interrupt me as I'm asking my questions. And this is my favorite. I love to be able to ask the questions. All right. In no particular order, Andy. (laughs) Yes. um, Sounds ominous, but go ahead. No, no. If you were to do it all over again, Mm -hmm. would you choose to be in sales again today? Today. Knowing what I know about sales today. knowing, Knowing what you know, would you do it again today? Would you choose that? I th- very possibly. I mean, it's, it's hard to say because, gosh, you know, I, I was a history major. What else was I going to do? <laughs> and when I came out of school, and those are sort of the options what I looked at because I didn't really want to go to law school. I didn't want to go to business school. I mean, it, it, all those things. So, um, yeah, I know. Kids today are a little more career oriented during college than perhaps than perhaps I was, but um, but I think so because it's. I mean, I look at some of the the certainly the technologies and the tools that are available. That I think, gosh, you know, if, if those had been available back when I started in the key bag carrying stage of my career, life would have been a lot different. I mean, better, uh, more. I won't say no, more interesting, but. You know, I find it interesting. You know, people talk about, you know, how do we get through the gatekeepers? Uh, when I sold, there were actually physical people that were gatekeepers. You know, you'd walk in the door of a building, and there was a, usually a woman sitting there at the front desk who was mm. the literal gatekeeper, right? Um, so it wasn't how do we get by this person in a theoretical sense. It, had to, it was way, real. It was, it was real. real. It, was it wasn't virtual. It was real. I know. Uh, um, I remember that. So I, I think that, I don't know. I mean, could I be a... Yeah, you know, on inside sales. I mean, that's something that I have to really contemplate because, you know, so much of the fun was is getting out there and actually mixing it up with the customers. Mm. Um, yeah, there's some customers that we've talked about in previous episodes that you know were deliberately challenging. Um, some customers that were incredibly fun to be around that were never going to buy from you. <laughs> I mean, I had a couple customers like that that I mean, weren't really even customers. I mean, they bought some things from us, but yeah, you know, one guy just. You know, he'd be upset if I didn't come by every 90 days just to talk. And, you know, he rarely bought anything. But he was a lot of fun to spend time with. And I still was making my number, so that was that was okay. Um, but another thing that was, that was really interesting to me that I really enjoyed about sales is just the camaraderie, you know, up front. Yeah. You know, it was the first job out of school. I don't know if you get that in every environment. I, you know, not having worked in other environments, I don't know. But uh, it was... 
you know, we're close as a group. And if you, if not sales, if not sales, what would you contemplate? And, and I'm asking that partially because I think your, your decision tree, which was you graduated with a degree in history, didn't want to go to law school, you ruled some things out. It seems like a fair number of people get into sales, not because they are, this is what I want to do, but because these are things I don't want to do. And so they default into it. Yeah, I think, I think knowing what I know now, um, that if by chance I were smarter, and I mean that just... I know, <laughs> you don't mean that in the book sense. Like no, I do actually. Okay, so you do. Is that I probably would have gone into like electrical engineering. Because, you know, at various points in my career, you know, working for as many startups as I have, where the founders were typically really smart people that came out of engineering and were great business people as well. I thought, God, that's a killer combination. You know, understand the technical forwards and backwards. And I'm pretty good at the technical for a layperson. It's not technically trained, but um, yeah, just that. I always sort of admired that combination. And I thought, yeah, if I would have done it again, yeah, I'd probably engineering if I was smart enough, which I'm not sure. Well, yeah, and is it is it is it like smart enough or forward thinking enough? One of my sons, he graduated with a degree a couple of years ago in economics, and worked worked for almost a year doing marketing. And marketing, you know, as you know, is highly analytical, mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and he didn't love it. And he went to one of the, he went to SF Dev Boot Camp, which is a code academy in San Francisco to learn to program and mm-hmm. learn some of the new um, agile software development languages and is now a developer in San Francisco, a programmer, and loves it. It's not, it's, it's different than, like he didn't have an interest in computer science in school, in college, and actually this it's really a 12 to 16 week uh, course was great for him and to help him discover discover something that he wasn't really exposed to in school. And he also, it was very practical. I think he got out and saw, wow, this is what my opportunities as an economics major and they're not ones that I really want to do. And so here's here's where, where he ended up. And I... I I just thought his path was interesting and in how many sort of end up in sales. He didn't want to go into sales, mm-hmm. but I thought very interesting that he ended up going the technical route and that ended up being just kind of how he found his thing that he really loves. Well, yeah, and I'll go back to the point I made before. Is, and I talk about this in Zero Time Selling and, and every time I get a chance when I speak in public and so on is that the future belongs to people with specialized knowledge. And including in sales. I mean, there's a lot of debate. I'm sure people listening to this probably disagree. But the future belongs more to people specialized knowledge than to the generalist. You know, I was a generalist, you know, coming out of school and worked in highly technical fields for the bulk of my career before starting my own company. Very technical fields. And I said I was good for a layperson, but you know, there's a limit to what I knew. 
and still to some degree really relied on on people with much great deeper uh, expertise than myself to help win deals. And so if you can bring that to the table yourself, and again, like multiple examples I've seen in my career of people that, you know, twin threats like that, you're going to be better off going forward. You're the person that's going to be able to really add value to the customer conversation to a level of depth that most people in sales won't be able to. And as we continue to focus on becoming more and more customer-centric and more consultative in sort of the complex enterprise sale, that's your advantage. So if I were to, again, to do it again, I'd mix that technical with the business background. But what if you're a generalist? It's funny that you say that because I, I who was I, I was talk, talking to somebody this morning that I feel like I'm a generalist. They said is that. It, is it? Well, I feel like I am me, Bridget. Yeah, well, is there any hope for me if I were to go back and do something different, or is it like, gosh, wow, no? I think it's harder, and yeah. for, I know for myself as as a hiring manager, when I've worked for clients, you know, I've, so I've had my own company for sixteen years now, and and you know, done the fractional VP, you know, the first ten years in the, the business, did that pretty exclusively, hired a lot of people. You know, yeah, if you didn't have that that extra edge, I probably wasn't going to hire you. I know people, <laughs> as I see discussions online, raging arguments about this. And, you know, people think that ah, people with a technical background, they're not, uh, they don't have the people skills to to be a salesperson. Hmm. And I can, I can teach you the people skills. What I can't teach you is I can't teach you the technical knowledge that's really going to, you know, make a difference for the prospect. And I talk about this in zero time selling. I've again maybe shared this on the show as you know one client I refer to selling a very technical product, and their number one guy was just killing it. An inside sales account exec, just killing it, was pathologically shy. I mean, I worked with that company for four years, off and on for four years, on various assignments, and even at the fourth year. Walk by him in the hallway, he couldn't bring himself to say hi to me. Andy, you know what's so interesting about that is my first sales manager told me the opposite. He said, I can't teach people skills, but I can teach you anything you need to know about the product. I So he went and looked solely for people that had good, natural like a high EQ and good social skills and people skills and could read people because he felt the opposite, that he could teach you anything you needed to know about the product and being technical, but he couldn't teach the people skills. So I think it's interesting, just the two sides of the coin there. Well, I wrote an article titled, The Question, the One Question a Customer Will Never Ask You. Mm. And I set up the, the situation like this is, and this is yeah, based on my own experience, my own beliefs, and what I've seen as most effective is that you know, in all my years in being in sales and managing teams of people is you have know, never once had a customer pick up the phone and call me and say, you know, Andy, really like your product. And yeah, you know, I like John who you sent out here. He seems like a decent guy, but you know, the trouble with John is he's just not salesy enough. So if you could send me something that's a little more salesy, we'll give you the business. Well, but I don't think but, salesy. Well, no, but I mean, you know what I mean? It's just people skills and so on. I mean, but I had, had customers call and say, you know, we got a problem here. Is, you know, we like your sales guy, but 
it just doesn't know enough about what we're doing. And we just don't feel like we can really relate or he can relate to what we're doing. And, and if you know, so you're kind of in trouble in this account. So if you want to save it, either you or somebody else needs to come out and, and start working it. And so it's more from a you know technical industry knowledge, industry expertise, product knowledge perspective that yeah, I've had feedback from multiple customers over the time that yeah, you're just not cutting on this and you need to be able to help help us help you, if you will. But I've never once had a customer call me and say, Yeah, this guy doesn't have the people skills or this guy's you know not salesy enough or whatever. I haven't had anybody tell me this person isn't doesn't have good people skills. But I will tell you that we won a deal last week and actually our competitor got the technical win. Mm-hmm. They gave us the deal because one of the things they said was, you guys are, it's great working with you. Oh, yeah. We what? like working with you, with your people. We like your team. We like how responsive. We like the interaction. Right. But there was a, so I can see both sides of the coin. Well, but I don't think I don't think those are separate sides. So I think that the. Um, yeah. But I don't think that's necessarily that somebody's technical. Well, no. What you're saying though is uh, what I'm saying is that that you know, with all things being equal, okay, and somebody else can have technical knowledge as well as you, but you were winning that deal because you really appealed to the emotional side of the the prospect. Right? Your responsiveness speaks to emotional. What's it going to be like? They're projecting based on your responsiveness and pre-sale. What's it going to be like to work with you guys long-term? Right. So that's, a, that's, a, that's a, an emotional appeal. And so, you know, and everything is all equal from a technical side. And you have to, you know, you may be able to sort of win on that. You're still going still gonna to win at the end of the day based on these, what I call the 1% differences, the tiebreakers that are going to be more emotionally based. And yeah, people skills certainly help with that. It's not that... You know, you could be totally devoid of people skills. But, you know, I think for somebody starting a career in sales these days is what's your difference? What's your differentiator? You know, and, and the same logic applies to you applying, trying to work for, or excuse me, is get a job as trying to get a piece of business from a customer. You know, how are you different? And I think the differentiation comes from people that have the, the deeper level of knowledge, the business acumen, that comes sometimes with this good combination of technology and, and business smarts that the generalists often don't have. Yeah, that's a fair point. Okay, moving to a slightly different topic. Sure. Women in sales. Yes. There's lots of lots of conversations about women in sales, and I'm a firm believer that it's not a... If as long as this is just a topic that's only discussed by women, we'll never make any progress. Like at a conference when I'm asked to speak about, like on a panel with women in sales, women in leadership, most of the people in the room listening are women. Mm-hmm. And I don't believe we'll ever solve the problem if there's a problem, if it's if it's if it, the only people who are talking about it are women. So I guess I'm curious from your perspective, do you see this as an issue? And if so, how, what, what are, how do you contribute to, to solving the problem? And you being you, gender, you, like... 
So I'm speaking for the, the male speaking, gender speak, here. Speak for the male. Speak for the male side of the population. Like, how do you think about that? Because I know how we think about it and what we talk about. But I'm, I'm curious if it's ever a topic that comes up if there are no women in the room. Or I'm just curious. I'd love to just get your, get your input on that. Yeah, well, I think that last question is really interesting, and and I think that that yeah, it doesn't come off come, doesn't come up often enough when women aren't in the room, and all the studies, and I've you know had multiple guests on my show. We've talked specifically about this because this is something I'm I'm passionate about. Is is as a hiring manager, it's in your own best self interest to hire women in sales because the studies show that on average they're going to perform higher than the men uh, given the equal opportunity to do so. So why not hire the best people you can at all times? And so yeah, I mean it's it's it I don't I don't hear it discussed often enough, but maybe I've also been fortunate enough in some cases where I've worked where people were very open to and maybe blind to saying, Yeah, we need to hire a man or or hire more guys or whatever. Cause I started when I started my career, first job, I um I mean, this was a long time ago. Gosh, by the end of my second year, I remember when I was competing for President's Club, it was, it seemed like it was mostly women that were winning. Um, we had a large cadre of women that joined about the same time as I did. And then, you know, the the world, I thought, gosh, you know, this is really great. You know, this is the trend. This is how it's gonna, things are going to happen. And it just, it didn't maintain itself that way. So I think that part of it goes back to, and again, studies show this, and because big insurance companies have done a study about in, incorporating how to get more women into sales, is there's still um, cultural ways that we describe the work, for instance, that are sort of you know, unconsciously biased toward appealing to men. Mm. You know, we talk about being aggressive, being a hunter, being da 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 da. These are not qualities that according to studies, that, that women naturally self-identify with. It doesn't mean they're not aggressive. It doesn't mean they're not great closers. It doesn't mean they you know, can't uh, be incredibly effective salespeople. But you know, when you see the, they see the job opportunities out there, they're saying, gosh, well, if this is what the job entails, that's not really me personally. Yeah, I mean, it is true that we, we join tribes. We want to be part of tribes. So we have to be able to... to to self-identify. And I made the comment at Sumo Logic, when you start, you get a, a big old Nerf gun, like a big, like a real, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we've got some big bazookas or whatever you call them. You get big Nerf guns. And I said, this, I had a new manager start and I stuck a big old Nerf gun on her desk. And I said, and I looked around the sales floor and it's, predominantly men. And when I say predominantly, I mean, aside from the SDR team, oh, 100 Mm percent, despite effort to try to keep to keep women engaged. And I said, you know, this is this is part of the issue is that when you've got a you just and it's even when I saw it, I didn't have a I didn't have a big reaction on my first day when I saw it. I just thought, huh, irrelevant. You know, and it does beg the question, do I belong here? Do I belong in this role? Is this the right place for me? When that's that's a really obvious big miss. Well, I think that mind. yeah, and I think the key is that that we need to shape 
change the, sh the way we shape the image what sales is and that's less militaristic you know hunting analogies and more about what it really is which is service yeah you know, we're serving somebody and you know that's going to speak to a broader pool of the population including men and women that it's more about service and you know if we want to get back to the topic i was talking about before is you know i've made a specialty out of bringing engineers into sales and yeah, you know, they've all had that same issue about you know I'm not a hunter, I'm not aggressive, but they are service oriented. And if you position the job as a service job, then I think you start getting more people into the profession, women specifically, because that's something they can self-identify with more. It doesn't mean they're not aggressive, doesn't mean they're not, but it's just you know that first impression about the first perception of what that job entails. You know, we had this um, conversation at our exec staff last week about uh, this war room we put together. We put together a war room to go particularly after, you know, a specific um, competitor. And people are creating materials and there's Slack channels called Kill XYZ Competitor. And, and the CEO said, hey, listen, I don't want us to have, like, shoot the enemy, kill the competitor. And he was... And I said, well, it's a war room. You know, you're calling it a war room, but then you don't want the analogies that are associated with it. Why do we call it something different? Let's not right. call it a war room. Let's call it the win room. But, I mean, to your point, that's not, that's not what's going to get me charged or motivated. And believe me, I am as competitive as the next mm -hmm. one. I am very ambitious. I am goal-oriented. And I'm so used to it that I, I guess I don't have as big a reaction to it as maybe people that are are just coming into the role. Yeah, well, we, need to, we need to get the 23-year-old women into the profession, you know, those coming out of school um, and make a career out of it. Right. And, and as long as we continue with these analogies and the way we describe it, and as you said, um, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be a slow road to get there. And what I've observed, and it's also validated with lots and lots of data, is even when you do get women that start in it, they just they peter out the further you go up the, the ladder. And it's not that they're not it's not that they're not cutting it. They're just making a decision. Eh, don't want to do this. Don't want to wow. do this. And like you said, they're they're the most successful. They they can be very successful at it, but they're they're opting out. Well, I think again, part of that is the the atmosphere that's created around it. And that, you know, unfortunately, we're running out of time to, to delve more into it, which you can on another session. But I mean, I think that's really a critical thing for sales managers and CEOs and people to be conscious of is, is does this war room mentality, does that really add to it? I don't think so. I've never seen that it does. It doesn't mean you don't have blitzes or you said win rooms and so on, but it's just sort of mindlessly continuing traditions that have really lost value and have no place anymore in the in the sales role. So with that, we're going to wrap it up for today. Uh, this has been another episode of Frontline Friday. We again appreciate all the listeners for spending the time with us. And of course, my very, very special guest, Bridget, for spending time with me as well and asking the questions. Always a pleasure, Andy, and I look forward to next Friday. We will talk to you then. Wonderful. All right. Have a good day, everybody. Thanks for listening to the show. 
If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guests, visit my website at andypaul.com. 